This is TDPS. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash the dinner party show. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I'd like to take a moment to congratulate my co host and producing partner, Christopher Rice. He's got not one, but four new books coming out in 2022. But today, I'd like to tell you about one in particular, a standalone thriller called Decimate. It's the terrifying story of what happens to our kitchen here at the studio Um, when I ask Christopher to make the tea. Yeah, no. When I said improvise the promo, I didn't say you could make shit up. I am not making this up. Look at that kitchen. Okay. Hi, party people. Decimate is actually a thriller about telekinesis and near-death experiences, the page-turning tale of a woman who becomes convinced her brother is being held hostage by a supernatural force following his death in a fiery plane crash. It has nothing to do with tea or our kitchen, and you can pre-order it on Amazon now. And while it is spine-tingling and terrifying, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to have to order off of Amazon to clean up that kitchen. Will you shut up about tea and our kitchen? Oh, I never shut up about tea. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. Eric. And sometimes we get to chatting here in the studio before the microphones are on. We never stop talking. Never, never, never. Never, ever. And our engineer, Brandon, will say into our ear, are you guys ready? (laughs) Like, could we start today? (laughs) Could we start? I have a a wife at home. I don't actually want to sit here all day. Christmas is coming. <laughs> and listen to you talk about demi spoons or whatever it is you homosexuals were talking about this week. He never says he that. He never says that. No. You dare say that And he that has about no Brandon. mic, so he can't respond. He can't respond onto the podcast or onto the recording. He could always layer himself in later. It's just, I don't know. I haven't listened to the yeah. finished he episodes. He may be doing ongoing commentary, <laughs> running commentary during the podcast. I, I would have no idea. <laughs> Anyway, wouldn't that be sneaky? Um, today is a special episode. Why lasers. is it? Why is it? <laughs> Shut up, lasers! Quit oh, talking about this that. crap again. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is not how football is played. Whatever. <laughs> It'd be like the science theater two thousand right. version of Christopher this would Eric's be podcast. We have to do this engineer's commentary. We'll Absolutely, call it. the branded commentary reel. <laughs> well, um, for the box set today is a special episode, and I it, it's not a sad episode. I don't think it's sad, it, but it's I special. Do not, I want to celebrate my friends. I am yeah. sad that. I don't get to celebrate with her. Mm-hmm. That makes me sad. But I, right. I think this is about a day that yeah, Anne's birthday was the day Anne was born. Right. Like the this is the day that 
earned us all the rest of it, good and bad, all of it, every bit of it. Absolutely. Um, um, that we all love about Anne. It all came from this, started on this day, or the 4th. October 4th, 1941, just a few months before Pearl Harbor was attacked and America was drawn into World War II. But Anne had nothing to do with she it. She nothing swears. to do with it. She swears. But I think she, she came of age with um, her father gone. And I don't think her, her, my grandfather ever went overseas, but I think he was stationed... At some outpost Elsewhere. here in the U.S., he was you know, perpetually trained and didn't deploy officially. But he was not around when she was first born, and the, her, her mother was alone with her and uh, her older sister, Alice, at the time. So, yeah, October 4th is Anne's birthday, and so we want to do an episode that celebrates her birthday. And one of the ways in which we're going to celebrate her is later in the show, we're talking about a special... <laughs> how am I going to connect these dots? One of mom's favorite movies, which she watched repeatedly during the final years of her it life. It was an obsession. We couldn't... I mean... we. It was like, okay, I actually have... I had gotten her for Christmas. I never got to give it to her. The Abraham Lincoln cookbook. Mm-hmm. Like, just because I was looking for things. She had become really interested in the time period mm-hmm. in and around the Civil War right. in terms of other writing projects that she was looking at. Mm-hmm. And she got captured by this movie version of The Battle at Gettysburg. Gettysburg is the name of the film. Yes. Jeff Daniels is in it, I think. It's got kind of an all-star Everybody's cast. Everybody's in yeah. it. Sam Hot Stuff is in it. Sam, Sam Hot Stuff, yes. The one with that voice. Oh, Sam Elliott. Sam I'm hearing Elliott, in my ear. Yeah. Engineer commentary, Sam, Sam Elliott. Elliott is in it. I think Richard Dreyfus is in it. I mean, there's a lot of... Wow. Yeah, it's a pretty all-star kind of... Uh, Martin Sheen is in mm-hmm. it. It's mm-hmm. a pretty all-star kind of production. And she just fell for it. And she watched it I'm going to say at least once a week, and that's being, it was probably more than that. Yeah. Um, We would go out to visit her, and she would text us and be like, starting Gettysburg in five minutes. It wasn't a question. Like, do you want to watch Gettysburg, right? And then we would say, okay, well, we might pop in in a minute. And then we'd be up in our rooms, and we'd just hear, boom, her surround system going. Gettysburg is happening in the front room, literally. So there are two ways we thought of celebrating Anne around her birthday. Um, Later in the show, we're going to be talking about a special called Haunted History, The Ghosts of Gettysburg. Uh, Not technically a true crime TV club, not really a what science, but, you know, sort of a new... uh, More of a what the fuck, actually, as it turns out. So we're going to leave that for the end. But we also, we have had... How do I put this? We have some of us have had experiences since Anne's passing that may qualify as encounters with something that cannot be explained and possibly with Anne. And so we're going to talk about some that happened with the family. And then we went on the Facebook page and asked you, our party people, if you had had any. um, Do you have a ghost story, basically? And we got a lot of answers, which we'll get into at some point. Let's talk about... I think we should start with, since we started with Gettysburg, the best place to start is that television. The the, the television. The television. Okay. So So you knew that... You were told this story I was told this story. And and staff is still at work at Ann's house. There's a lot to be taken care of and whatever, and they are still there and still on the job. And one day, Mm -hmm. they were at work um, at various places in the house, and... The person who told me the story was the person who originally started. She was thinking 
she was hearing a voice and she was thinking, oh. am I, did I, you know, is it a podcast? Have I left the phone, something on on the phone mm-hmm. that I'm still hearing? Because it wasn't like, it was sort of distant. It wasn't clear what she was hearing, but she was, and she looked at her phone and her phone was fine and she was kind of curious. And she went out in the hall and then she went down the hall and then she went out and she realized that the television in Anne's room, in Anne's mm. sitting room, where she would sit and watch Gettysburg again and again. Again and again. Was on. The, the television was on. Did you remember what it was turned to? I did not. Oh, I know. It, you if it was to... Gettysburg, it would have been. No, no. Wow. It would have been, oh, been heart-stopping. But yeah. They were just all completely, everybody was, the, the people that were there, the staff that was there, you know, we're all completely astounded. Nobody had been in that room. The mm-hmm. room, they, we did some final preparations and clean up and straighten up in there. And that room has been closed right. since we lost her. And so mm-hmm. nobody would have been in there. Nobody had any cause to be in there. And the TV was on and blaring. And she was hearing it all the way across the house. And it's not a small house. No. And so it was like, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, we thought I'm still here, or I'm with you, well, or we she had just a conversation a about it, which was because my initial response to the story. You took me on a journey with it, which I'm very appreciative because I thought I really don't want that story to mean that she's trapped in that room. You know what I mean? Like I hate that narrative around um, ghostly events where the ghost is helplessly confused or trapped or whatever. Oh, I saw and it as happy in that room. And then there's that, but there's also. I think the thing that I I think that when these happen and I do believe they happen to a certain degree that the passage in and out of the space of the spirit um trigger, has a discharge which turns on electronic items. There there is frequently a link yeah. between the one and the other. I've had my long-term story one of my earliest memories of of being friends with your family was right. at the house in La Jolla. I was sitting next to Anne and Christopher and a couple of, I think Sue, mm-hmm. maybe somebody else Sue was Debbie, sitting yeah. facing us on the sofa. And I was telling the story, my long-term connection to the ghost that I call Cynthia, mm-hmm. I believe is um, the spirit of somebody who is named Cynthia. I'm not certain of that, but that's what I think. Um, and as I was telling the story, the light behind Anne and I just went off. I was there. I was a witness. This happened, and it was I, it was heart stopping. And yeah. like I didn't even see it because mm-hmm. I was facing the other direction. But it was in just as I was explaining how because one of the things that Cynthia has done over time, and if I black out the uh, the podcast by bringing mm. this up, one of the things that Cynthia has done over time is play with light switches and right. um, lights going on and off and that sort of thing kind of inexplicably and not not in a way that corresponds to the physically turning lights on and off. So and I, so I my interpretation of the story is that Anne was there checking on everybody because she loved she loved the people who work for her like family. She always treated staff like family. Oh, yeah. And so I think she was checking on on the ladies at the house. That's where I'm going to go with it. And the TV just turned on and she was maybe a little sheep oh i turned on the tv you know i think okay so that was one one story right the other what's the next one what should we do next should we do the big one should we do your story the, the one that, that yeah okay okay well you have two that's right you have two both of which happened in your home oh you mean the story <laughs> yeah. okay this story is a bigger story brandon how much time do we have left none 
Oh, okay. He said none. That we should wrap it up. He's that sick of seems about right. Um, we'll see. We'll see if we can fit it all in. It was a lot. Okay. Well, let's do let's do the first one. Let's do the first, the one that happened in the presence of the ladies. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that. All one. right. And then for then exactly next break we'll exactly we'll get to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, uh, recently my housekeeper has retired. I'm mm-hmm. old enough that. Much of the furniture that I bought new is now antique, and um, <laughs> my housekeeper, I've been through a couple, and they've mm-hmm. all retired, and they're um, women of a certain age. I'm woman of a certain age, too, <laughs> at this point. Um, yeah. Anyway, so um, so the ladies from Ann's staff mm-hmm. came to give me a little assist and uh, do a deep clean on the house and get ready for um, the new person who was coming on board and all of those things, and... <clears throat> It was one of the first times that we'd been together since we lost Anne. Mm-hmm. Maybe the first time. Maybe since the funeral, um, yeah. But certainly since the funeral. And um, it was – so it was good to see them and it was a little emotional and we were enjoying each other's company as much as we were getting my house straightened up and organized from shaking off the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously the stories came. You know, we started talking about – um, different stories uh, of Anne and memories that we've had. And we got to talking about the story that we just told you mm-hmm. about um, the television right. um, coming on and we were being interested in that. And we were we began talking about Anne. Do you think it was Anne? Do you think it was Visit? And, you know, our sense of had she been there and feeling that she was with us from from time to time. And there was this flash like it was like a flash bulb and we all perceived of it as coming from a different source that's what i okay that i that's what we got to talk about like one person thought it was somebody's phone mm-hmm. i felt like it came from behind me and you were sta- you were facing where you was your back to your windows my back was to the doors to the, 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 doors. the glass so no. to oh, the, the no, to yes. the glass doors onto the balcony and right okay and the windows onto the street so it could have been so i thought it was that was the direction but the other people were facing that direction and said no mm-hmm. that that was not it they thought that maybe it came from um somebody's phone but Everybody thought it came from a different direction. That's what's so than, crazy. Than, and you were literally talking about Anne. We were, you were in the we middle were of talking about actually talking about Anne and experiencing her, feeling her presence. Feeling her presence. And you you don't have a lot of glass in your house. It's not like you live in some glass box. No. Some, and we were not near even the windows. Yeah, that's wow. We were in actually in what would be the entry hall. So. Yeah. Which is opens into a closed hallway, so there was not really any place, mm-hmm. any immediate source, and nothing was burned out, and no light bulbs were, you know, there was no immediate evidence of something, a light bulb frying or blowing out or coming mm-hmm. on or going off. It was just, and it wasn't even that kind of. It was like LED colored light. It was that sort of white light. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like the incandescent light of household lighting things. It was. Yeah, because you have kind of. 
amber colored light. You're you're you you like your house a certain way. It's got a certain style to it, and it's not glary and contemporary and not. harsh. It yeah. is not. And even I've even made efforts in buying fluorescent and LED bulbs as I participate in the saving solution, the planet. And it's not um, gone well. But you can yep. find lots of. No, you can get those in warm oh, colors. Oh, that's like good. A, yeah, I've made a real effort about that mm-hmm. sort of thing so that it is not a house filled with that sort of white LED light. So I don't have any explanation for what we were, we were standing there. We were talking about Anne, and then we were suddenly completely surrounded by this flash, not small, this sizable flash of white light. <laughs> Eric. Yes, Christopher? Are you sick of doing promos for my new books yet? That depends. Are we at the beach? Yes, we're at Sapphire Cove, the fictional Southern California resort featured in my new gay romance series coming in 2022. This is alarming. When did we go outside? You were transported by the powerful prose of C. Travis Rice. That's my new pen name devoted to steamy and emotional tales of romance between men. Yeah, no, that's not it. I was about to eat a sandwich in the studio, and now I'm being harassed by seagulls. Brandon, get rid of the seagulls, please. Oh, that's much better. Now I have to pee. First, pre-order your copy of Sapphire Sunset, the first installment in the Sapphire Cove series, which goes on sale March 1st, 2022, from Blue Box Press, when a new member of the resort security department falls hard for the nephew of the wealthy family that owns the place, sparks fly, and sexy scandal ensues at Sapphire Cove. Uh, Yeah, could you pre-order that for me? I'm going to run to the little podcaster's room. Brandon! Come get this seagull! I can't help it if my writing sets the scene. I know what I'm going to set if someone doesn't come get this seagull. Where'd you get that sandwich? Sapphire Sunset, the first book in the Sapphire Cove series from C. Travis Rice. Now available for pre-order. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? So you've you've had this experience. You were standing in your apartment with the ladies. You all were talking about Anne. You all witnessed this flash of light, but the origin point of it seemed to be different to, for, to, for each of you. Um, what did you feel? Did you feel warmth? Did you feel freaked out? Did you? What was the emotional feeling? We went almost immediately to there she is. Oh, like yeah. everybody had that moment of immediately feeling that Anne was with us, that it was it was in any sense, there was nothing unpleasant about the experience at all. It was a warmth and a, 
it was as though she had walked up and joined the conversation. Mm. It was that kind of, it was that kind of feeling. And we were sort of amused, like, there she is, like, you know, here she is, like, on top of, almost before we even began to speculate about what the source of the light was. It was, because it was so anomalous. Right. There was nothing typical of the, you know, of the environment we were in or any of the other experience of the light. It was almost immediately, it was like, oh, there she is, she's joining us for... She's come to the. You know, she's come to town with you guys. Okay, let's talk about the bigger story because there's this a is the one lot of pieces. That Christopher considers this is my. But see, I have a tendency to go really narrative and a little dark with my interpretation. So of, you can. I'll leave you to interpret okay. it. Um, we were this is the last time we were in the studio recording. We yes. had a big day, and it's no secret here. It was we great. We, had we a great do time. a month worth of episodes at once. We record them back to back. We love doing it that way. It's fun. It allows us to keep the podcast alive while we also work on other projects. So we had a big recording day, and usually when we go home, we're just beat. We're it's, like, yeah, it's, it's a, a lot of work. It's a good time, but I was definitely done for the day. And and we aren't really done. We're not up for a lot of chit chat. We've just talked to each other for a solid six hours. Yeah. We're, we're ready. Okay, you go watch TV. I'm gonna go do my thing. And frequently, the other thing that happens is we've turned off our devices so yeah. that they don't make any noises. Very in the important. Studio. Very important to this story. Um, so they're not ringing because we've you know. We've been in the studio and we didn't yeah. want them ringing while we were talking. So that happened, you know, whatever. We'd said goodbye. We don't usually talk for a couple of days for like the, you know, like. We don't talk on Sunday. Yeah. We don't talk on Sunday. We, you know, as a matter of plan. So there was no yeah. expectation that we were going to be calling each other. Um, so and I was I was also under deadline on Sapphire Storm, the third Sapphire Cove novel, which will be out in March of next year. So I was home. I needed to get to work and Plenty I was of- really pushing it like we'd recorded all day. It was one of those days where I was doing a lot of work. So I'm at my new standing desk in my kitchen, and I've got the cell phone sitting right by me. And this um, unknown call pops up, and I'm like, oh, I just send it to voicemail. I don't know what it is, blah, blah, blah. And no voicemail pops up, which sometimes happens on iPhone. The delivery of a voicemail will be delayed. Okay, and I'm looking. I'm like, who was that that didn't leave a voicemail? Then, um, I'm sorry, the first call was just an unrecognizable number. It was not an unknown caller. What came through next was, like, no caller ID, which is usually not a spam person. It's, like, somebody official who's been able to mask their whatever, which I know now. And it just kept calling, like, repeat over and over again and not leaving a message and calling over and over again. And at this point, I start to get kind of freaked out. And... um I'm thinking, you know, is this a stalker? Can they see me through the windows? Because I've had a lot of caffeine. I'm a little tired. We've been working. And then finally, I was just, I keep ignoring the call, and they keep not leaving a voicemail. Finally, the voicemail from the first number I didn't recognize pops up, and I'm going to do a, reenact- <laughs> a reenactment of it. Hi, um, my, my name is Pete. I'm an Amazon delivery guy. This is not a prank. Your friend, Eric is trapped on the balcony of his apartment. And I hear in the background, Christopher, help me! Christopher! Four stories away. Christopher, help! I'm like, what is going on? And then, uh, I'm listening to this, the no-caller ID guy calls back, and I answer, and I think, that you know, oh, this is the sheriff's department. And I'm like, why the fuck were you not leaving messages if you had said the sheriff's department? I did not say that to the sheriff's department. They said, do you have a key to Eric Shaw Quinn's apartment? 
At which point I'm thinking, I have a very big key ring. I have not had cause to open the door to Eric's apartment in something like 15 years. So it's going to be anybody's guess if Although I still have this key. there's some speculation because I did have the appendicitis last yeah. summer. So totally. maybe. Absolutely. So, but I'm walking over there thinking... This is not going to be a clean rescue. Like I'm like, we're going to have to at least test every key. And sure enough, I run over there. I didn't have the right parking permit. Blah 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 blah. I'm a total mess. The cops are there. I, I the cops come upstairs with me, and I'm like, we're going to have to see which key it is. And I mean, I tried every key on that ring. Um, they tried every key on that ring, and none of them fucking opened the door. And at this point, we should make clear that you're the reason you couldn't make the call, and 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 the, the well, we should tell people what happened. Well, we didn't really know yet in this moment what had happened. That was well, what I was, knew. What was so crazy? Okay, well, so we're, I did. <laughs> I went down there and I asked you, and I said, "What's the problem? Is something blocking the door?" And what did you say, Eric Sharkwin? I had no clue. I had absolutely no clue. I had gone. I'd gone home. Right. I'd had a shower. Mm-hmm. I was doing my usual thing. I have lived in this apartment for more than 20 years. Yeah. Like, I have never had any issue with the with the doors. Mm-hmm. I went out on the balcony to replace a burned-out light bulb. Yeah. And I closed, I slid the sliding glass door, um, closed behind me, and it locked. Boom. Just locked. No explanation. It's never done that before. I cannot cause it to do it again. Right. I have tried to make it lock itself, lock it. I will tell you, I didn't take my phone. I didn't have anything with me. The other, there are two sliding glass doors. I hadn't unlocked the other sliding glass doors. So there was no going back through there. And I could not get the store open. And so I was trapped on my balcony on a Saturday evening, mm-hmm. there was not a lot of traffic. Thank God the Amazon guy had forgotten to deliver something. Mm-hmm. So he came back, which is why I was able to mm-hmm. get his attention and yeah. get him to uh, to call Christopher and 911 because the and, building manager was nowhere to be and found. They are, that's a whole nother episode. Is it, yeah. So I got on the phone. For anyway. reasons defying any kind of logical explanation, I am locked on this balcony. And then Christopher didn't get the call for a while. And so time has passed. And then they got there. And then I had the to keys call. Didn't work. And the keys didn't work. And so I had to call a locksmith. And the locksmith came out. And the lock was not cooperating with the locksmith he couldn't get it open and so he had to do the thing and he was a really great locksmith he has ethics and pride he's like i don't want to just take a a drill to this lock that's what everybody does and if it's cheaper if i can get it open anyway and i was able to unlock he was able to open one of the locks yeah but the lock that he couldn't open it turned out was broken is that the case that was the case the thing was the yeah Whatever. I don't know what the parts of locks are called. Can you imagine that? that <laughs> I don't know the name of the parts of something. Eric but the, the tongue neighbor. that goes into the little hole and the would, yeah. would slide free. So maybe that was why it wouldn't. But he discovered that it was broken when he was replacing the lock and rekeying everything. So my immediate inter- – we eventually got you out. And my immediate interpretation of this story was 
Anne locked you out on that balcony because she wants you out of this building. <laughs> Something bad is going to happen to this building. It's a way of, of making, you know, like that's where my head goes with this. That's why I'm the worst paranormal interpreter. If they put me on the show, I would freak everybody out too much. And Well, it means that we're all going to die. Like, um, But Christopher thinks everything means that. So it's that's you have to take that with a grain of salt or at were, least a cookie. I'm the resident worrier and it's what cookies are for. Right. Um, you had a different interpretation, which revealed itself weeks later, which we talked about some in our previous episode. A few weeks later, Los Angeles was baking in one of the worst oh, heat waves in history. Right. And your theory is that Anne locked you out on that balcony early so you would know there was a problem because you have since come up with oh, a new method for going I out there. I unlock all the doors. I take a phone with me. <laughs> Throw a rope uh, ladder over God, the side. My phone was lying on the bed like five feet from That's the like window. That's like a horror movie. While I was trapped outside, I was like, no, no, yeah. no. Um, Yeah, it was, yeah, everything about it was, yeah, I have completely, so that should it repeat itself. And so. I wouldn't be locked out there in in the terrible heat wave and maybe die. Your interpretation was that she had it, she brought, she changed things early. She changed the situation so that it wouldn't happen to you during the heat wave. Yeah, she pushed it ahead. She moved the timeline so that I wouldn't, and maybe she precluded the bad thing happening because that's the sort of sunny little angel I turn out to be. Absolutely. That's what everybody calls me, sunny angel. Sunny angel. That's Eric. But I, you know, we were talking about this before. I had a moment that it's like I've blacked out, but it wasn't like that. It was like a moment of coincidence or fortitude where we thought in the time, whoa, hi, Anne. Yeah, it was very, I remember you telling me about it and thinking, oh yeah, that seems, that was her popping in. And it was one of those like, seeing something on TV and then reading about it or then writing about it or thinking about writing about something and having the information you needed arrive or in some unexpected way or it was a very sort of, but it was a coincidental moment. It was, it was that sort of notion of like, Oh, hi. Yeah. There There you are. There's one that I've had to dismiss. I, I used to think it was like the cosmic or the universe where it was, I would be thinking about San Francisco a lot or I had been to visit San Francisco, and suddenly the screensaver on my Google television became all these San Francisco images. And then I realized I was watching a bunch of YouTubes about San Francisco, and so the Google algorithm was just feeding me whatever, San Francisco content. Oh, that was funny. disappointing, because I was like, oh, God, everything's so insane. Because I do believe in a lot of that stuff, but I believe you have to be discerning about what are real instances and what is just tech companies fucking with you <laughs> My all of my devices have gotten a hold of my actual photo reel, roll, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you call it, from my digital photos. Yeah, and I live like in constant sort of dread of like, and then one day <laughs> that hot photo you downloaded from the internet right. pops up during your dinner party I on just, the TV because I don't know where the, exactly they're coming from, and so far it's been mostly and that has been a lovely part of this though, yeah. is because there's so many pictures from Christmas, all those crazy pictures of us with light yeah. up noses and all the other things I tortured you all into doing and taking your pictures. And she was always a good sport. She'd put a bow in her hair or put wrapping paper, dress herself in wrapping paper or yeah. whatever and pose for the picture with jewelry over her nose or whatever. And uh, you know, those it, pop up all the time. The whole subject puts you in mind of, cause you know, like I, I, I want to say, okay, so she's crossed over. She's on the other side. Maybe she can see back to us. Maybe she can communicate with us. 
but is she not communicating with us? And is this true of so many of our loved ones to an extreme degree because they don't want to ruin the experience we're having? Like they have an answer now. They have an understanding. Right. And they feel that that understanding, if communicated to us, will, I don't know if ruin is the right word, but so disrupt our process here as living mortal beings that it that it can't be given. Well, it's always like one of the givens of this experience is we don't know what's next. Right. That's a given. Like mm-hmm. that's a part of the nature of this. Yeah. This experience. Mm-hmm. And having an explanation would profoundly yeah. affect this experience. Like our notions of religion and spirituality, mm-hmm. of ethics and um responsibility, you know, mm-hmm. of commitment, legacy, and all of those things are based on the fact that we don't know right. what happens next. And if you monkeyed with that, mm-hmm. I, I think it would have a, a much more profound impact than we than we could possibly realize. Right, yeah. So I think there's a reason that we can't get... I don't know what this is about. I don't, you know, but I know this is how this game is played. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I was before this, and I don't know where I go after this. Maybe nowhere, you know. Yeah. But that's part of the game. Mm-hmm. Like this is the experience that happens here is that you arrive without explanation and you leave to parts unknown, and right. that's how it works. And you have to fill in the blank in the middle of it in the way that you think best, based on your own most informed decision. And I think that is a lot of what it is to be human, and mm-hmm. taking that away would take away our humanity in a really profound way. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I always am inclined to believe that rather than some heavenly afterlife, it's parallel, that we pass into a parallel dimension. And, and so much of what we perceive as ghost is just bumping up against that dimension, a little bit of slippage or spillage from one into the other. You know, yeah. I just think no um, idea. But we asked our party people if they had ever had a paranormal experience or a ghost story. And here's what Carol Horger Bull had to say. She said, my friend and I were visiting a town in our state notoriously haunted. We were shopping and sightseeing and entered a beautiful old Victorian home that had been turned into a gift shop. There were lots of rooms to explore. As I was shopping, I heard a voice as plain as day say, Carol. I thought it was my friend and looked around for her. Turns out she was upstairs the whole time. Wow. We took a ghost tour of the town later that night, and I asked the guide about the house. He told me the house was known to be haunted and that people heard voices there. That sounds like one of those stories. Cindy Conforti says, sadly, I have not had an encounter with a ghost, but I'm still hopeful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I totally recommend it. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. 
Part of our celebration of Anne's birthday, I'm going to say, didn't quite work out this week. Because of her Gettysburg obsession, we thought, I saw this haunted history series um, uh, that turned up, I think, on Hulu. And I, I thought, well, wouldn't that be fun? We'll do the Ghosts of Gettysburg. Thinking that it's from the History Channel and they do some things, top 10 history, is craptacular, but it's yeah. still history. You actually get some history. So I thought that the Ghosts of Gettysburg would give us some of the history of Gettysburg and talk about, you know, the interface with um, su- supernatural or paranormal events in and around that particular place. Mm-hmm. Nothing could be further from the <laughs> it truth. Was really... There were these random tour guides, one of whom had most of the experiences I on the show. Needs to be studied in a in a lab if this is the case, because ghosts He's love Ken. Really, very, yeah. very fond of Ken. Um, like it was really like watch it if you want. It's a lot it of fun. Yeah. It most of it's about the town of Gettysburg. Like there's some initial address of the actual battle sites and some talk of the the enormous uh, nature of that that battle i was oh, really just, the, yeah. the 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 horror of it the the sheer horror of that battle is is kind of mind blowing and they did touch on that there was yeah. some sense of it but there was no sense of how they wound up there who the generals were what the strategies were where they were fighting how the fighting went none of it no historical description of the event itself which for something called haunted history seems to me to be Kind of a big omission. Well, it also strayed from the battle. It said that two of the 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 hotbeds of paranormal activity were actually in the town, and it was the, the, allegedly the stories of both were related to the battle. One is the Jenny Wade house, which was not actually Jenny Wade's house; it was her sister's house. She was the only civilian casualty, shot by a sniper bullet while preparing bread for Union soldiers. Okay. Um, and then the house where the sniper was yeah. that's now a restaurant. Which also had a triage center for the soldiers in the basement. Right. that was the only so thing. So those yeah. things are kind of apparently um, lots of paranormal experiences in and around them. But this show is really not about history. And that's the part that this is about haunted and not about history. Yeah, I'll say that too. Also, the narrative about the haunted is I think we talked about some earlier. I don't want to say it offends me, but it bothers me. Like, I don't want to believe that ghosts are just lost in and confused. I think there's more architecture to the spiritual universe than that. And this is, you know, the ghosts are haunting the battlefield because they're really upset about how they died. I I, I want to give ghosts more credit than that. I'm sorry <laughs> to put it that bluntly. You know, I think that there may be the idea that there's the residue, energy residue, right? That an event that traumatic and that widespread throws off what are almost ripples through time. Sure. You know, that I'm really, you got me. Uh, that I'm willing to buy into. But the idea that ghosts just uh, stalk a certain area really pissed off and frustrated for all history, I think that underestimates the spirit and the spirit world. But other than that woman getting shot while she was baking bread and the oh, soldiers being operated on in the basement of that building, those were the only actual links to the historical events of those three days that were connected to the rest of this story about the ghosts of Gettysburg. There really wasn't. And the the interesting fact, I thought, was that there's a part of the battlefield called the Devil's Den, and everyone assumed that was named for the battle, and it was not. It was actually the indigenous people of the area 
or no, actually, it was some young boys in the 1830s who had gone out hiking there and found a large black snake, which they nicknamed Devil. That's how the area got its in nickname. the rocks. Yeah, there was like a historian in it who was kept separate from everybody else, and I was like, did they tell him what show this was? Because <laughs> because as you pointed out, nothing was connected to the paranormal right. stories. There was very yeah. little in the way of the history connecting to the paranormal, which I was disappointed by. Yeah, if you just want a show where people say, I saw a ghost up here, and I saw somebody looking at me through that window and like then great it's one of those shows it's not there's nothing wrong with it no it just for it to have been called haunted history i was yeah. just like well i don't see what this has to do with the historical event at all absolutely anyway maybe i wouldn't need to watch another episode but we we're not going to dwell on it we'd much no. rather talk about your comments and your supernatural if we're going to hear a story about i saw a ghost right here we want to hear it from our party people so and that's we what just, we got but we brought that up so we wanted to cover it and get it out of the way so you've heard about it if yeah, you have any other questions write to us and we'll answer them in depth as yes. we have time but. if you're disappointed share your thoughts on the dinner party show's facebook page all right trevor Schaefer had this story to share with us okay after my sister and her family moved into their new home they discovered there was a presence there they heard footsteps saw a chandelier swinging all of it and one thanksgiving after dinner i sat facing the entry hall and when i looked in that direction i shook i excuse me i'm getting a little worked up i saw a shadow person standing there Ooh, that's i'm gonna stop bad. you right trevor i'm gonna need you to come back on the page and i'm gonna need you to t tell us how you define a shadow person because that description flips me out uh, and I, you don't need to make it less scary. I just want some more details on what constitutes a shadow right. person. Was there a shadow being thrown by somebody who wasn't there, or was there literally a the shape of a person standing yes. there, but that was really just a shadow, that was just a darkening in the area? I, that is a very intriguing image. The moment I caught sight of it, he continues, it slowly turned around and started walking up <gasps> the stairs. <gasps> It had a discernible head, shoulders, and torso, and was... Oh, well, here it is. <laughs> We're kind of describing it. It had a discernible head, shoulders, and torso, and was the blackest of black. So, was it separate? Was it a shadow that yes, was being Eric's cast? Yes, question stands. Or was it freestanding, I yes. guess, is the, the differential between the yeah. two of those. Did it cast a shadow? That would yeah. be really interesting. All right. Ugh. All right. Rob Casey. That was terrifying, Trevor. Rob Casey has got a long one. We're going to oh, do it, though. Okay, okay. Here we go. I had an encounter with a family member's ghost when I was 14. My grandfather had recently died, and my dad and relatives were going through old photos and papers. Around this time, I started having weird experiences where a woman dressed in a wedding gown with shortish hair and milky white eyes would appear when I woke up. Or she'd wake me up. Once she whispered into my ear and said, it was Sarah. And another time she said, I was 46. <gasps> I told my mom about it. My parents were divorced and I lived with my mom. She looked at it rationally. <laughs> You're reacting to you told your mom about it? No, I'm just so yeah. reacting to the story. My Sarah. God. It was Sarah. That's the, yeah, that just, yeah. oh. She looked at it rationally, this is his mother now, and talked to some people she knew. It sounded like sleep paralysis because I'd have trouble moving when I woke up and encountered this woman entity. However, oh. I was able to move and still see her for a bit. This kind of kept happening with more frequency. I'd see her even in the daytime after a nap. Then my mom started seeing her as well. The spirit always had a sort of urgent and irritated look with white eyes. 
Not hostile the so much eyes. as for, yeah, the God, white that's eyes. Just terrifying. Uh, not hostile so much as frustrated she couldn't get her point across. My mom no longer thought it was sleep paralysis. Our family has some history of having people be sensitive to paranormal experiences, especially as teens. My mom decided to have a friend from work that was a chaplain come and bless cleanse the house. Oh. It seemed to work. How lovely. Well, as my dad and relatives were going through old papers, it was discovered that a family member from Michigan was murdered in strange circumstances. She was the sister of my grandmother's father, and her name was Maud Tabor. The whole thing was a huge scandal with trials and national news coverage back in the day. Maud was found buried in a trunk in the basement of the family home. She was found in oh. her wedding gown. Oh. She was 46 oh years old. Oh, my God. And her mother's name was Sarah. Oh, my God. I still get full body chills when I recall learning so this. So her mother killed her and put her and in that trunk in a wedding dress? Seeing a picture of Maud. My visiting entity was none other than Maud. The details of the murder are conflicting. I've read quite a bit about it. In fact, I hadn't thought about or read up about Maud in many years. I got to thinking about her one day this past winter, so I read up some more about the circumstances. Well, for the first time since I was a teenager, I woke in the middle of the night with night terrors and sleep paralysis. Oh, my God. As I came out of the paralysis, I turned to look at my husband in bed, but his face was all twisted and contorted with blank white eyes. I had terror screams until I came fully out of my waking nightmare. I'm actually spooked to even tell this story because I'm afraid I'll have the waking nightmares again. If you look up Maud Tabor, T-A-B-O-R... Uh, or, or is that a new letter <laughs> in the alphabet? It's an or. It's an or. It means or. You'll find a fair amount of links, including a picture that is very similar to how she appeared as a spirit to myself and my mom. Okay, I'm gonna. Okay, I'm. I'm we gotta see the picture. Okay, I'm following the link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Oh, oh, this is okay. Here it is. I'm gonna. I'll turn the computer around and show you the picture. We're gonna get. That. Okay. Wait, where's the picture? I don't see a picture. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Oh, I don't see this picture. Rob, I don't know where this picture is. But this is an article called uh, Welcome to Van Buren Col County, Michigan. And these are news articles about the Maud Tabor death. Body of missing woman found, missing three years found in trunk. Discovery is made in basement of former home of Miss Maud Tabor in Michigan. Wow, yeah, this is a whole thing. Rob really brought the story today. I am telling you, Rob. I'll tell you. Lord, that is, yeah, that's a lot. Um, but, Rob, if you can share the picture on the Facebook page for the Dinner Party Show, that would be helpful because it's not Amazing. popping up at this link. I will say, and I have that similar, like, I do not have nightmares. Mm -hmm. I've, we've, different discussion. We've probably talked about it before, but I have the, the waking, I, because I am a conscious dreamer, right, and I'm aware that I am asleep. I bec I become convinced while I'm sleeping that somebody is in the room with my sleeping self mm -hmm. and fighting to come back awake. Yeah, like screaming, but like silently, like to try and wake myself up to defend myself against this imagined presence in the room with my sleeping body is um 
that's the most terrifying thing that ever happens in my life. It mm-hmm. is because it's so disconcerting. So to add all of these other details, yeah, like fine. I just wake up and then there's nobody there and I'm fine. There's nobody with white eyes. That's the, or I, no. just the rest of all of the. Oh my God, that's just that story. No. Just wow, geez. Yeah, no. Okay. Well, that's terrifying. We're gonna go to the other side of the spectrum with William Madison, because he doesn't believe in the supernatural. Oh. But there's an episode in his life that bothers him on this subject. See. Mm. On our farm in the 1960s as a young six- or seven-year-old, I did not have an imaginary friend, but someone who used to walk the fields with me. I could see an image of him, and he stayed about three feet beside me. He never spoke, but just walked with me through the fields. The problem was that he wore strange clothing, knickers, I didn't even know the word for them until much later in life. I just knew they looked nothing like the jeans or slacks I or anyone else wore. To add to the mystery, my father tended a grave on our land. Years later, I learned that a family lived near the grave in the late 1800s. They were sharecroppers. A flood blocked travel to any town. The closest one was 10 miles away, and their 10-year-old boy died of a fever. They had to bury him on our farm. Well, if that's not a ghost story, William Manson, I don't know what is. I, I know you may not believe. I don't know why you wouldn't be that's convinced. That seems pretty, pretty convincing to me. Wow. Wow, that is really an interesting story. Yeah, absolutely. Golly. Uh, yeah, this is this is quite a—I'm uh, just scrolling through. Everybody bellied up. Like, nobody was like, I don't— oh, And I have to say, I think Anne would have enjoyed this a lot yeah. more than that stupid show. Oh. Like, she would have lasted about 10 minutes with that show and then been out of the realm. But, uh, you know, I, I echo Anne's evolved opinions about ghosts as, as not being these—she these. these she believed, I think, in a category called an astral tramp. You know what <laughs> she meant by that? Where it was like <laughs> the, the, the not fully cognizant spirit that— was out there sort of wandering mat. Right. right? Lost. But that but she bit. didn't think that made up all of the spirits that we encountered. Like she didn't think that was everybody. All right. Well it's just too simplistic an answer for yeah. a much bigger question. Um I okay. We're gonna Amy Bellino had a lot to say on this topic. Really? A lot to say on this topic. We get Rob and Amy really were, were they had a lot of caffeine this week and they had a lot of opinions and experiences to wow. share. Um the first time I recall it happening, I was about three years old. My nanny died, not a relative, but an elderly babysitter. You can remember being three years old? That's already impressive. At some point between her death and funeral, she visited me in a dream and explained that I wouldn't be seeing her anymore. It was a very vivid dream with specific symbology, which included a stairway leading into the sky, but instead of a banister rail, there were people standing on each side of the stairs. Oh, how interesting. I've never heard of that before. That's an interesting image. Of all those people, I could see two men, one from each side, but at different elevations, had their heads turned to look at me, but none of the others did. I never really talked about it with my parents because I was only three and didn't really have the vocabulary to discuss it or ask questions. Flash forward about 10 years and my granny died. That was the first time I had seen a photo of my grandfather who had died before I was born and he was one of the the men that had been on the stairwell looking at me in that long ago dream. Immediately, my logical brain concluded I had seen a photo of Grandpa Charlie at some point prior to the dream. Maybe. But it also raised more questions. I went to my mom and asked her what her father looked like because he had died long before my father's father had. 
she had to go look for it, but eventually pulled out a photograph of her father, and he was the other man standing on the stairs. Wow, that seems like too big a coincidence. Later on, I came across a copy of the illustrated children's Bible that my father used to read us before bed, and there was a drawing of the proverbial stairway to heaven with Jesus at the top. There were no people standing beside the steps, though. My logical brain tells me that the dream was just a regular dream with my brain downloading the random data stream to dump and it was so vivid that it stuck with me. I'm positive I had seen that stairway in the Bible and it's highly likely I had seen the photos of both of my grandfathers prior to that dream. But wait, there's more. I had another similar ultra-vivid dream after both of my grandmothers had died. Huh. This would have been in my early 20s, and it was set at my granny's house. I spoke with her briefly on the back porch, and she told me she loved orange marmalade. Then I walked out to the backyard, and beside the pecan tree was my grandmother, my mother's mother, totally different grandmother, she says, and she was standing next to a woman I did not recognize. I thought they were related because they were wearing similar dresses, a style I recognized as being made at home using a pattern. The unknown woman was wearing a very stylish pair of glasses. After the weirdness that unfolded from the vivid dream I had as a toddler, I decided to look into this one. I called up my mom, described the lady, the dress she was wearing, and how it matched grandma's, and the very specific glasses she was wearing. Mom's answer was that the woman didn't sound familiar. No relative of hers from that time would have been able to afford that style of glasses, and the dress was not specific enough since it was made from a pattern. Mom said it was common for women to have similar dresses made from similar material, and her final conclusion was that the woman was not from her side of the family. A few years later, while I was doing research on my father's genealogy, I was at my oldest first cousin's house taking information from a scrapbook that had belonged to my granny's mother. And that would make her my father's mother's mother. Her family nickname was Mamu. I came across a photo of a woman that was wearing those very stylish glasses, oh. and I almost fainted. I'll bet. When I asked who she was, I was told that was Mamu. Again, I had to have seen a photo of her somewhere along the way prior to having that dream. Why was she standing next to my mother's mother when they weren't related? Why did Granny tell me she liked orange marmalade? I did check with my father, and that information was correct. His mother did, in fact, love orange marmalade. I wish she had loved the winning lotto numbers and had shared that useful information with me. Very yeah, practical. Very practical. Dreams are such a strange component of human life. Yeah. Like, in, in, the, in the way that we don't know where we are before we get here and we don't know where we leave when we depart, dreams are such a strange interlude, if you will, as, as you go along regular life like yeah. taken at face value maybe they are just your brain discharging and sparking and random memories that you're collecting up but sometimes they seem so much more than that they do okay and I think this is maybe a good final one to do Beth Murphy Saluga says several years ago on March 27th I can't remember the year and this is my birthday we're talking about I was getting ready to go to sleep and I felt someone tucking me in the next morning, I went to thank my husband, and he said he didn't do it. I looked at my daughter, and she said, I didn't do it. It's your birthday, Mom, so it was probably Grandma Kate coming to say happy birthday. Oh. 
That's wow. sweet, but also that's terrifying. So, <laughs> that's so dear. What a sweet, sweet memory. Yeah. I love that. Anne would have loved this. I know. This is a perfect. Anne would yeah. have loved this. She described this as, she said, Southern people just love to sit around and talk about Absolutely. death and weird stories and eccentrics in the family, that it was a very Southern sort of tradition that she quite loved. But she never had a ghost story. Storytelling. Never had a ghost story of her own. She said that she felt she wasn't open to it, ultimately, that she was too resistant she never had a story of seeing a spirit or a, or a, I remember when we moved into our house at 1239 First Street in the Garden District, which kind of became the Anne Rice house. Someone told us the ghost of Pamela Starr haunted the house. Who She was the um, Interesting. wife of, I think, one of the original owners. And uh, we had an occasion to have coffee with some of the later owners of the house. Uh-huh. And mom brought up that story and the woman said... Pamela Starr would not have appeared to Arlene Mamahat, as she claimed, because Arlene was not of the same milieu as Pamela Starr. <laughs> and I remember my mother thinking, this woman is such a snob, like as if ghosts were going to discriminate based on ghost social snobs. class. I love the idea of ghost snobs. It that's was really quite a moment. That's a riot. Your but mother, we mother, were, the, just to end the story, we all went looking for Pamela and we never found of her. Course. I saw Pamela. But Pamela's over here. No, I never. And mom didn't believe it. Yeah. I mean, she believed, but she didn't have her own experience of the spirit. But she was always very receptive. She was very receptive and wanted to hear about everybody else's stories. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I mean, she was right there with you during the Cynthia moment. And and through other encounters and spiritual, I went through that period with the house where I felt like there were malign spirits or malign energy of some sort associated with my apartment. I smudged the place and, and whatever. And she was very much a part of that discussion as well. Should we have talked about the malign spirit? in your apartment when we talked about the getting locked out on the balcony story? Like, well, are they back? I think, think it's wonderful. I have to say that it's a mixed bag with that right now. I'm yeah. not sure if the little steps that I have taken have had positive effect or not, but mm-hmm. it seems to be less less the case. I don't know. It's an interesting okay. story. You know, Halloween's coming. Maybe we'll bring it up then. Absolutely. Happy birthday, Mom. We love you. Happy birthday, Anne. Shifting gears. <laughs> which, um, next week, we are True Crime TV Club returns. We will be serving up a recent special called Menendez Brothers Misjudged, which I thought was designed for Eric Shaw Quinn. Eric Shaw Quinn, because I am telling you. Who has had strong feelings about this case. Very strong feelings about this case. For 20 years, and has felt like a lone voice on this and now you're not no it is really things have changing and it's a really interesting I was part of what intrigued me with the idea of doing this particular story was that it is born out of a growing new movement so I'm I'm no longer the one of the few people who believes that this was a great miscarriage of justice and so that's what we're talking about. It is an hour and 20 minutes. It's available to stream on Discovery+. Plus. But as we always tell you here, the point of True Crime TV Club is that you do not have to watch the special. We serve it up for you. We let you feel like you watched it, and then you, but you didn't have to go to the trouble of watching it. You can just put us on in the car. Or so. you can watch it on, on uh, Discovery+, Plus or ID, whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, their their free service and uh, follow along when we uh, talk about the story next week. Until then and forever after, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Thanks. Happy birthday. 
This is TDPS.